0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If your house is anything like mine, there is certainly one thing you can count on this time of year, Christmas movies. See, my wife loves Christmas movies, good Christmas movies, cheesy Christmas movies, bad Christmas movies, and of course, the classic Christmas movies. And between Netflix and Lifetime and the Hallmark Channel, there is truly a never-ending stream of Christmas movies on in our house this time of year. And one thing always strikes me is that how, doesn't matter if it's a well-known classic or even just the newest Netflix movie, how many Christmas movies relatively have the same plot. It all centers around someone's expectation for Christmas, whether it's Ralphie getting a Red Ryder BB gun or Bing Crosby dreaming of a white Christmas or just Chevy Chase getting the Jelly of the Month gift card over his Christmas bonus, many Christmas movies revolve around our expectations for Christmas. See, expectations for Christmas are nothing new. In fact, it has nothing to do with Hollywood or even consumerism or materialism or even capitalism. Expectations for Christmas have been going on for hundreds and even thousands of years. In our readings for today, for this fourth Sunday of Advent, just a few days away from Christmas, we read of just a glimpse of the expectations that God's people had for Christmas. Beginning with the prophet Micah, in our Old Testament reading, some 700 years before that first Christmas, we read, O you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, ...who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. And therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord." In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, and he shall be their peace. There is going to come a ruler, says the prophet Micah, one who is of ancient days, one who was with God in the beginning, and he's going to be a shepherd, a shepherd like David. In fact, he's going to be from the town of David, and his name will be great. And he will rule in the strength of the Lord his God. And because of him, the people of God will not only return to God's fold, but will dwell securely. And he, he will be their peace. And then we fast forward some 700 years to our gospel reading. And we once again find great expectations for Christmas expectations in two women, relatives who both miraculously find themselves pregnant. And Elizabeth says to Mary, Blessed are you among all women. Even the baby John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy in expectation of what Mary's child would come to do. And in the Magnificat, her song that we read, we even get a glimpse of Mary's expectations for Christmas. We read that that through her child will be the helper, the one that has been promised to Israel since the days of Abraham. See, the scale and the scope of the expectations may be different, but there's great expectation in our readings for that first Christmas. The anticipation was truly spectacular. And so too it is for us. We all carry with us this day great expectations for what this week will entail what those celebrations will look like in just a few days' time. And yet we are reminded it is not expectation. It is not anticipation that we celebrate, but rather realization. The actualization, the incarnation of God's promises fulfilled for us in Christ. Because as Mary would know firsthand, as Micah prophesied, the Savior would come. There would be a truly holy night where he would be born. And it may not have been that silent, but it was truly a holy night. That ruler that Micah foresaw, the one who would come to shepherd his people, he took on flesh. He came and dwelt among us. He came into this world that was full of expectations for him. And yet we are reminded he didn't come just to meet the expectations of man, but rather to act in ways that were so incredible that even his disciples, those he kept closest, could hardly believe it was real until they saw it with their own eyes. We are reminded that that child comes, that ruler, that savior comes, not just to do God's will around God's people— But do God's will of salvation for God's people. He came not to serve us in the way we necessarily expect, but rather to serve us, to give to us a gift that we desperately needed. That we are reminded it was God's plan of salvation that brought Christ to this earth. And as Micah said, he would come for his people. He would come to shepherd them in the strength of the Lord by being their good shepherd, by being the one who'd be willing to lay down his life for the sheep. That as Mary said, the Lord has shown the strength of his arm. We are reminded in Christ we have seen the mighty, outstretched, saving arm of our Lord. And that as lowly as his birth may have been in that manger, he is the ruler that has come to not only reign over us, but over all things. And that because sin dwelt within us, he dwelt among us. Not to cut us off or condemn us for our sin, but rather that we might be saved through him. That we might have that right to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That he came And not only met the expectations that people had for him, but far exceeded them. He did come to bring peace, but not peace like the world gives us. Not peace repelling foreign enemies or giving us financial stability or even health and good cheer. But rather, peace unlike the world gives. As the Gospel of John says, Jesus says to his disciples and to his people, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. So let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. We are reminded that this Savior who came was truly great. It is as Peter would say to the Gentiles who ask him in Acts chapter 10, Who is this Jesus guy? He is the good news of peace. He is the one who is truly Lord of all, and yet because he loves us, he hung from a tree. And yet God raised him on the third day, and he ate and he drank and he dwelt with the very people who saw him crucified, who saw him die, who even buried him, and that he is the one that will come again to judge the living and the dead. That it is truly all about him that the prophets, not just Micah, but all the prophets, bore witness to. But greatest of all, Peter says, for everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins through his name. That is the joy of the incarnation. That is the joy of knowing what God's people were expecting to come truly came for us. That is the joy that came to Mary and Elizabeth in that little hill town outside of Judah. That we receive one who comes to the burdened, to the wearied, and even to the sinner and gives them hope. One who came to abolish the weak sin offerings that mankind tried to offer to God and instead offered himself as the perfect sacrifice. That is our Savior. That is the Christ who came for us. You know, we're not told all of the expectations that Mary had. We're just given a small glimpse of them. And we're not even told all the expectations that Micah or the other prophets may have had when they were given these great prophecies of the coming ruler, the Messiah. And perhaps they didn't even truly know what to expect. And yet we are reminded today of who we are shown the Christ to be, what we have in Jesus, our Savior, the true fulfillment of God's saving work for us. And in him we have the one who came to reign for us, who came to die for us, who rose from the dead so that we would know the life that he freely offers us. And in him we know we have a Savior that truly exceeds all expectations. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.